0: Hey, everyone, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. um, Obviously, a a strange day uh, in America, a disturbing day in America, a very difficult day. Um, We were, as a lot of people know, scheduled to have uh, Bill Hanstock on the show tonight to talk uh, wrestling. (laughs) It was uh, tonally (laughs) an odd night for that. Um, Bill (laughs) Graciously uh, has agreed to uh, to reschedule. We do to come back next week. We really have the appropriate amount of fun with what Bill does, Um, and so we appreciate Bill uh, doing that for us. And look forward to having him on next week. Uh, Very fortunate uh, to be able to have Clinton Yates, our friend, join us from ESPN on short notice. We actually just wrapped up our conversation with with Clinton. I don't know about about forty five minutes ago. Um, so we were able to talk to him about what has been just a, 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 an, a really, I mean, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, Andy historic, uh, yeah. not always in a good way, but a I was
1: going to say, today. I mean, history includes a lot of very bad moments and today is one of them. It's the type of moment that it's interesting in the sense that you can frankly, have seen it coming, maybe not the exacts of it, but just sort of where things were headed, where things were frankly being directed. Yes, and what ended up happening, yet it still is shocking and disturbing to watch the magnitude of it unfold. yeah um, even, so, even if you, again, if there's yeah. an element of anticipation to it um, so again, thanks to Clinton
0: for joining us on on such short notice. and uh, here is is that conversation. All right. So thanks for coming on. It's, I know mean, it's short notice and obviously on just an, an insane day, Clinton. But the one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is that all of this stuff that was happening today uh, was happening in your backyard. You are a person from DC. Yep. So just on a personal level, what was it to see this happening in your city?
2: So there's a couple things about that particular part. First of all, it's great to see you all. Thanks for hitting me yep. up. Thanks for saying hello. But let me ask you this. You guys can see me right now as the viewers can too. Look over my left shoulder. What do you see? You see a license plate. That license plate is from my old ride in the District of Columbia, the capital of the United States of America, most powerful city in the world where I was born and raised. Now, what it says at the bottom of that license plate, I don't know if you can read it from there. You guys have glasses on, at least BK does. It says- <laughs> I don't see so good. It's a taxation without representation. Yeah. Now that is the going motto for what represents the political situation in the district. For those of you who don't know, the District of Columbia is the working capital of the United States. However, if you are a resident of the District of Columbia, you do not have an actual voting representative in the national body of Congress. Now, Eleanor Holmes Norton, Eleanor Holmes Norton, who has long been the ambassador of the city on that front has been the Congress person whom has voting in, I believe, what is the committee level in terms of there's input, but technically does not get a vote at the end of the day. Now, the reason why that's important is because there are states in this union that have less people than the district that have way more votes. Why does that all matter? Because when situations like this break down in the district, You find a situation in which the locals are not allowed to handle it the way that they want. Now, without getting into the chalk talk of who's doing what and why, people were tweeting a lot today. Where's the National Guard? What's going on? Fun fact, the president of the United States runs the D.C. National Guard, not the mayor of the District of Columbia, a result of the direct thing we were just talking about, which is the lack of representation. So if you're asking all those questions, don't be blaming us. They ain't our rules is what I'm getting at. So that's something to be understood when you're seeing all these headlines about the curfews and this, that and a the third. These simple laws of governance do not allow the locals in D.C. to handle this the way that they probably could and probably should and most certainly would in this scenario. So that that's where we are.
0: I Do you does do these places, do the you know these monuments, these sort of landmarks of of the country, you know the the Capitol building, the White House, when you grow up in a place like, this, do they feel like they're part of your city? do they feel like sort of otherly, comparatively I, i'm I'm interested in that relationship that you have in how you see places like the Capitol when you see stuff like that happening today?
2: It's a great question, and I'll tell you this most flatly. The way that everybody relates to the sort of palace intrigue, if you will, about the White House and the Capitol is through the people who work there. You think Mm -hmm. the brother that's washing dishes or cutting the lawn is some congressional appointee? Nah, it's like my cousin Jerome from up 37th Street. You know what I'm saying? Like there are plenty of people that operate around these specific locales that are just regular folks in D.C. So you get to learn it through that lens. The example I think about all the time is, have you ever seen the Wesley Snipes classic, Murdered in 1600? 1600? Uh, yes, Pantel, I'm familiar with that movie, Clinton. Where his dad worked for a long time as the security guard in a Smithsonian museum. And as a result, Wesley Snipes gains an affinity for what history is. That's the kind of relationship that, in fact, most accurately portrays, I think, where a lot of specifically black folks from D.C. relate to what Not the monuments, BK, because the Mm -hmm. monuments ain't the same as these government buildings. All right. The National Park Service is not the U.S. Capitol Police. Now, I alerted you guys to a column I wrote many years ago about a woman who got shot after effectively taking a wrong turn into the Capitol, who was with her child from out of town. And the way it was described by police was a short pursuit, but effectively she took a wrong turn. And paid literally with her life for it. The reason I bring that up is because it caused a lot of reform within the U.S. Capitol Police. They are notorious for not letting nothing go down. I'm talking jaywalking, everything on up. You know, so to see this today from a strict law enforcement strategy standpoint was stunning. Well, th- I, I was I was going to say that, Clinton. Just like as
1: somebody who knows that culture well, like even if you were to refer to what happened today as a protest, and I wouldn't, but for the sake of argument, let's say you would. There are there are certain things that you expect to see happen, don't expect to see happen, and you would consider unfathomable for a protest, even if you were going to look at it through that lens. And the idea of the capital not just being stormed, but being stormed with the type of ease that we saw today. I mean, the, the, the relative pushback was pretty much non-existent compared to what you would see in pretty much any type of protest setting where you start to deal with buildings, landmarks, what have you. But especially when you're talking about that building, I, I just I would imagine that for somebody who grew up in that area knows what it all represents. That's just
2: impossible to wrap your head around. It's not that it's impossible to ha- wrap my head around. What's impossible to wrap my head around is the notion that, well, quite frankly, they weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. That to me is really, really hard to understand. Never mind, except because. <sighs> whether or not you want to call it a protest environment, AKA is one thing. The bottom line is that there was a confrontation. Yes. And when a confrontation occurs in a place like that, I've never seen it go that way. And whether or not we want to pass judgment on who's, who's escalating what with whom or what have you. And obviously the loss of life is something that is unacceptable and unnecessary and unwanted. However, this is not new people do wild stuff at these buildings all the time and people pay dearly for it that didn't happen today and whether or not you believe it should have or not you believe it could have it's kind of immaterial to what normally does happen and i think that's where most people are like really that's it It's not like BK, okay, hold on one second. It's not like they were throwing exotic blitzes at us, you know what I'm saying, so to speak. You know, this was straight up, you know, four, four, three defense, you know, rushing the quarterback and they got home. And I don't mean to be flip on that, but I'm saying it, to, to use a sports analogy, this wasn't something that wasn't on the film. You know what I mean? And that I think is where it becomes most scary because to my point earlier, when you know all the people who wash the floors, who cut the hair, who prepare the food in the Capitol, never mind those who are just everyday people who are trying to protect those who are representatives of the rest of the United States of America. This is not in the playbook. And there's an outside argument that it kind of should have been. Whoa. If for no other reason, then you don't want a situation like today to play out, never mind what the political affiliations are. And that was well, the scariest part. You know, especially when you know that it's coming. Like, what I'm saying, AK, hold on. What I'm saying is that, like, I'm calling people who are in the building and who are on the grounds who have nothing to do with the confrontation. However, they are the ones that become effectively frontline warriors on some level because they have to deal with this. The journalists, like I said, the, the janitors, you know, all of the support staff, for lack of a better term, who far outnumber any elected officials there. Because that's the way the system works. For those of you who don't know, there's a whole power plant next to the Capitol. You know, like there are hard working Americans, to use that air quotes phrase, that are on the ground at the place where we decide what happens in this country. This is way more than just the people that you see on TV. That's who I fear for when things like this go down. It's the ancillary folks, to use a sort of judgmental phrase who are involved with the everyday machinations of the U.S. Capitol who are then at risk because of some political scenario that they had nothing to do with in terms of what they actually feel. And that is what sucks. That's what's blowing up my Twitter feed. That's what's blowing up. My text is people being like, yo, you talk to uncle, what's his name? You talk to your cousin, so-and-so like what's going on. Do they go to work today? What's happening? We need to know because you're never really familiar with how those people get involved until you hear from them on the ground, because those are the people that come home from work and tell their families, people like me and my family who grew up in and around the city, because that's just where we were born, where we were raised and where we live. I
0: I, I say this in because I think this summer particularly was a a profound one for a lot of white people in in the sense of awareness of understanding connections between things between you know how a impacts b b impacts c and all of these things for even well-meaning people who just don't live in in a in a in a certain world and don't know I hadn't thought of that you spend the day thinking of yeah. oh geez, the house is there the Senate is there the Capitol police are there like i I have the first responder that you know I, i'm I hadn't thought of the groundskeeper. I hadn't thought about, you know, the people who were feeding or the, whoever might be in the building for whatever reason, because everyone was in session. So someone was there. Yeah.
2: What That's is fair? The, and, I, yeah, I, I, I was, and, and I,
0: What is the, I, I don't even know if this is a question anybody can answer or you can answer, but like, what is the, what, what, what is the, 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 the next step in being able to remember those things, like being able to have a more holistic understanding of who is impacted when things like this happen, because I consider myself somebody who is both well-meaning and willing to be open-minded about the things that I don't know and don't understand, and I did not think of this.
2: Well, I, I think that, BK, is exactly where it comes, is by not being so enamored with your own, pardon me here, your own ignorance, because that is something that I think a lot of white folks do is that they're like, oh my God, I can't believe this. How could this be? Well, I, I mean, you know, again, and this is because it's not about you personally, but like, yo, know, I just told you that that's how it can be. And, and a lot of times I feel like simply believe in us is as important as addressing what is anybody else's ignorance in terms of priority. Because if I say to you, like, let's just say you were visiting DC that day. And we were hanging out at, I don't know, one of the thousands of places around the Capitol where watering holes are and so forth. If I look on the TV and I see red alert, yo, I'm like, we're gone. And it's not because of what anybody thinks about regarding politics. It's because on the ground, we got a problem. You know what I mean? And there's no real way for me to convince anybody to simply believe that this is what it is outside of not talking about the fact that y'all didn't know that's Mm -hmm. immaterial at this point. You know what I mean? Because what's actually happening is affecting too many people to get too bogged down in that. And so while I respect and I understand that question, and that sentiment BK to me, that's, that's like asking why your run game isn't working when your receivers can't catch a pass. Like forget that. You know what I mean? Like there's something that we do well. And if we can't complete that, then the rest of what's happening is kind of an aside. And that to me is what this was about. People were scared, who live there, who work there, who give their lives to be a part of that. You know? That's what matters. And sometimes mm-hmm. you don't need the whole world to blow up, to understand, this is not how this is supposed to be. And today was one of those scenarios where ultimately, people could talk about how they were surprised, people could talk about how this was remarkable, people could talk about how this is amazing for me as an american citizen it was flatly unacceptable and that's the biggest thing for me at this point
1: what what really strikes me uh, clinton in terms of the way you're talking about believing what people say a big problem with that right now also compounding just i guess some people's natural disbelief for whatever reason maybe it's just because they want to always believe in the best nature of people period whatever that they won't believe it's a big part and of that. themselves and themselves another big problem in all of this is the belief in lies and the belief in falsehoods and the belief in misinformation and when that is being weaponized against people who are actually trying to share the truth of their lives and the truth of their experience and you're continually getting bombarded with no those are lies no that's not what happened? You know, when you you heard it tonight in these hearings after everything' settled, there were flat-out lies being told on that floor, and there are amplifications of lies that have been told and retold and retold leading up to this point. And that ultimately is a big obstacle in getting people with things that you need to believe, you know, heard
2: it's It's one obstacle. It is a large obstacle. And to be quite frank, I don't want to get too far down this road because that is, I don't want to say above my pay grade, but it's not what I do anymore in terms of a certain level of, uh, you know, sort of polite and public discussion. But I will say this, that obstacle is not my obstacle, nor is it our obstacle. And so by continually addressing the notion of the obstacle, we have a large problem of what it's going to take to get past it, through it, or over it. And this is one of the things I said when the undefeated did a special back in the days. They said, Well, what do you do? How do you communicate this to the friends and the allies in your world? I said, Listen, I'll be telling white folks the same thing. Go ahead, talk to your white families, talk to your white friends. You don't need to talk to me. I, I, I know what's going on. I'm, I'm the one telling you. And I, again, I don't say this personally, but in the larger context of this discussion, For me, it's like, yo, y'all are the ones that are voting these folks in. We can't even do it. Never mind what we would do if we could. And so whether or not the judgment on what these choices are that certain elected officials make is one that I or anybody else agrees with is kind of beside the point because whatever the truth is of anybody else's lack of understanding is not mutually exclusive to what any other person's life is. And so whilst all of these people may very well believe that they had good reason to storm the Capitol, that doesn't change what somebody I know who's theirs feeling is. And if we can't, if we can't communicate those two things sort of on the same highway, yet not in the same lane, then then we're all screwed because, and I've written this before in columns, like, yo, black safety is not about the relative understanding of white folks' fears being assuaged. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I, I have to say what it is I know makes sense, but it doesn't, it is not not true because anybody doesn't get it. You see what I'm saying? And like yeah. at some point, the responsibility does not become about what anybody's saying on the floor in terms of expressing what they think. It's about just believing and maybe that affecting Sort of how you are you know what i'm saying if you're in a relationship for example with your wife or whoever like she doesn't necessarily have to tell you yo i need you to wash the dishes right now she can say i don't really love it going to bed with the dishes dirty you know what i'm saying and you or one at whomever can intake that and thus act upon that without saying well i can't believe you don't think i would wash the dishes unless asked." me forget all that just wash dishes you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the first time you say,
0: well, you better take care of that before you go to sleep, then.
1: But well, then right, do but that. see, right.
2: if you need that level of address. Right. You see what I'm saying? Then that's part of the problem. I, I,
1: but I, I'm to all that. It's just, it's, it's concerning to watch seemingly a lot of people who need the direct dishes directive <laughs> in order to understand what
2: we're talking about. Like, sure. in the and that, quite frankly, is the difference between. And I've said this before, and I don't think a lot of people understand what it means. That, that's kind of what soft supremacy and privilege is. You don't have to actually do it because nothing's going to change. But if I don't comply, I die, so to speak. I don't get the benefit of the doubt on, well, you might have been trying to do this or, well, you maybe had a point. Because if I'm not around to defend that, it doesn't matter. you know. And that that's kind of what I'm saying. And that obviously dishes in a kitchen are not of the same import. But the idea is the same. We can only do so much. And by we, I mean, Black Americans To tell y'all, hey, this is dangerous. We should not have to go to please stop in order for it to cease for the greater good of everybody, not just the sort of talking point of equality or whatever sort of unity and union we think that we have. Yo, just stop doing the whack stuff, please. That's the easiest way to sort of solve whatever the problem is that i think anybody wants to describe and that's that's really hard for a lot of folks people don't like being told what to do they don't like to think that their innate judgment is off base that's really difficult to get through to a lot of people and that has nothing to do with race necessarily but it does have a lot to do with how people handle situations in terms of um i guess what we'll just call uh uh, accountability you know that, that that's really what it is one of the things
0: about the last couple of days that I, I i find interesting is that it's not it's not just today the you know the things that have you know whether you want to talk into the crossover in sports the the that constant now intersection between um sports and quote unquote real life and the way that that athletes um uh, particularly basketball players interact with it yeah started last night it wasn't today. It was yesterday. With you know the 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 news, we spent some of the time after the Lakers were done. Uh, they beat Memphis on. Jeez, I don't even know what day it is. Tuesday. So so it's Tuesday. Talking to Wes Matthews about the the police officer who shot Jacob Blake, who will not be charged. Right. Later that night, both senators in uh, sitting senators in Georgia lost in the election. You know, a lot Run of off. grassroots. In the runoff, um, a lot of grassroots efforts—not um, explicitly from uh, LeBron's More Than a Vote group, but you know, I think we're all pretty sure who who they're pulling for. Um, but also, too, you know, the the support for Raphael Warnock was driven in a lot of ways. The awareness of him and his all of these things was driven in a lot of ways by by actions from players on the Atlanta Dream and the WNBA. 100%. So. So much of the like the this twenty four hour period, and, you know, we had Doc Rivers talking about uh, the events of today before the Sixers played the the Bucks in, in 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 Detroit. I'm just looking at my list to make sure I understand this right, and get it right. You know, they took a knee, the Celtics and Heat briefly walked off the court. This what what is this moment? Do you you know? I, I think it's it's obviously significant in the sense that it shows that what we saw this summer. In the bubble, what we saw from athletes before that is this is not it was n- not new then, and it will remain part of what athletes do going forward, and rightly so. I that
2: think it's progression,
0: good. though, it's yeah. it's the progression of the things. It's those three things in twenty-four hours.
2: I, I, the word I would use is acceleration, mm-hmm. not necessarily progression. And the, and the reason I say that is because that that implies a sort of necessity for a plan that once again gets into these problematic problem solving mm-hmm. constructs that I think are not fair. I wrote a column about this that we, we we've actually talked about before, which is like, yeah. they didn't have to have a plan. You say, yo, shut this down. And we ain't doing it like this. We'll figure out the rest as we go, but we shouldn't have to do otherwise. And so, you know, I, again, I've said this before on air, the WNBA is at the forefront and is a beacon in this, not the other way around, Not like, oh, look at that. That's nice. The young ladies decided they wanted to say something. No, duh. They talk about it and they be about it. And it worked. And, like, quite frankly, you know, people like to rank whom and whom are not the most effective political actors in a lot of situations. Muhammad Ali comes to a lot of lists way at the top. Colin Kaepernick is obviously an important person in that discussion. Mahmoud abdul Barouf is a person in that discussion. Craig Hodges is even a person in that discussion in a lot of ways, even though he's widely mocked for how he approached it. And I would say fairly in that regard because it was a little loose. But the WNBA, as far as I'm concerned, is top one. And that includes your Muhammad Ali's. That includes your Serena Williams's. That includes every single person. Maybe not Jackie Robinson, because that's sort of a different context, but like, yo, on the ground activity in real time, and I'm not just talking about this Kelly Leffler situation. I'm talking about all these things that have happened regarding police shootings. I'm talking about Nica- Natasha Cloud, who, during a season in which the mystics, you know, were playing relatively well, she said, "You know what i ain't talking to the media no more. You know why? because three gunshots went through the elementary school window across the street from our practice facility. And until y'all are willing to talk about that with me, I'm not talking about basketball. The WNBA does this for a living flatly. And I just want to make that point that whether or not it, you know, sort of assuages any other people, I don't care. If you want to look to the people that are the athletes that are doing the most Take your behind to the WNBA because it's right there. It's been there the whole time.
1: And the, this the time thing, it happened to The thing that really, truly impresses me with the WNBA and, and these efforts is because they're doing it from a place of the least amount of financial security. Like, yeah. these are all athletes with, I mean, they don't have the same money to lose in theory. Like, let's just say for you really thought LeBron – his activism was jeopardizing his career obviously lebron would have more financially to lose but he also has more financially banked and lebron's great grandchildren are set for the rest of their lives Correct. wnba players
2: they're getting may on planes as- the night after they win championships to fly overseas because they got to make more yes. money in they, order to be able to stay afloat you're exactly they right. are
1: they are doing this with no security Whatsoever, and the the lack of financial security and the lack of options that don't include going overseas, like you were saying, where ironically they actually make better pay, but it's still a disruption to your life, and it's still something that all things being equal, I don't think these players would be doing unless they realize they had to to well, be taking these type.
2: Hold on there, and I, I would like to push back a little bit because the entire okay. reason why this makes sense is because the notion of all things being equal is just not a place that any. Frankly, black woman has ever come from in her life, and Fair. that is a huge part of this. And I, I, I say that, you know, in terms of the intellectual discussion, no, again, absolutely. as it relates to black life, which is black women be out here, okay? You know, what I'm saying, take a look around. Stacey Abrams. I mean, there's a reason why Georgia is doing what it's doing, and that's the thing is that there is a very core sort of demographic element to why this works in the WNBA. Cause you got sisters that ain't having it. Yeah. We ain't doing this. Nah, we ain't gonna sit by and watch this as our owner tries to sell us out in front of everybody. That's just not acceptable. That, you don't know, got nothing to do a basketball and a.k.a, quite frankly, it doesn't really have anything to do with money. It has to do with respecting your lineage for yourself. And that's something that I think is easy to qualify as harder to do because one is not as rich, but as a black person, it ain't that hard to do. All right. It's the question of whether or not we are gonna be believed. There's a reason why Breonna Taylor is on my wall right now. You know what I mean? It's because this is how we've survived. To tie this back all together, there's a reason why the undefeated is called the undefeated. Because we ain't gonna be defeated. That's just not how our at this stage of America sort of DNA works. And if the WNBA between the athlete the celebrity element, the smarts, and the execution are the ones that do it best, I'm going to give them the credit. You know what I'm saying? Because they deserve it. And that's a huge, huge part of this to me. I don't think that the the NBA does what it does in terms of everything that happened in the bubble. Never mind tonight. That's an aside. Mm -hmm. Today was a crazy day. But I don't think the NBA is empowered to do what they do if the WNBA has not laid the groundwork for them. And that's not a knock on the NBA. You know, that just is what it is. And so when you're asking folks, oh, what can we do? How do we do this? Man, get some more Black women in the room. Trust me, your situation will improve drastically instantly. You know, and that's something I got to believe because, you know, I'm saying that's just who I am. That's just the real. We we were talking before
1: about about Black people being believed when they share their experience, when they share what is going on in their lives and the obstacles they have to deal with. The success that the WNBA had with uh, Raphael Warnock and particularly the Atlanta Dream. Do you see that as even like on a smaller scale level, an example of being believed and like, like people actually listening?
2: A little bit. I do. And uh, all, if, all, for no other reason than the actual numbers. I mean, Warnock was polling at what, 9%? It's phenomenal. The of a sudden. It's amazing. Dream comes out, um, Phoenix's team comes out and they're wearing t-shirts. He jumps up to 14% in like a week jumps up to 28% in like a month. Next thing you know, he's forcing a runoff. Next thing you know, he's winning the whole daggone joint. So yeah, I mean, it's not even a, I don't even need to sort of tap into the psychologies of any of it. I can just look at the numbers, you know? Like I'm still from DC. I still know how to truck talk these political (laughs) daggone figures. And when somebody does one thing, all of a sudden somebody jumps in front, especially in a state like Georgia. Oh yeah, you can point to one or two things. And the one thing it's obvious is the WNBA. Stephonnie Abrams is another, but like that's a whole other political discussion. But my point is, is that like, yeah, that is being believed, but it shouldn't have to come at such a moment of desperation, in my opinion. And that kind of right. undercuts the sort of kumbaya notion of oh, we listen to them and it worked out. Like this is not what working out looks like, you know. And whilst it might be a sort of intellectual acceptance or even an emotional acceptance like it still is not necessarily physically manifesting on the ground in a way that's going to make everybody safe which is ultimately what we're here for you know what i'm saying black folks ain't out here trying to prove people wrong so we can fight we're trying to chill them out of business you know what i mean (laughs) like that's literally what we've been trying to do ever since we arrived you know and a lot of these things i think people because of the way that again soft supremacy exists And I've written about this in columns before. They believe that anytime you say no, it means F you or that any disagreement is a fight. Uh uh, That's not what it is. It's simple boundaries based on what we believe to be respect that is influenced by generational trauma that has killed our people when we were not making ourselves safe enough. And we continue to sacrifice because we know it keeps us alive, never mind the rest of the nation. And that's that's mega important, yo. You know what I'm saying? We ain't just doing this for us. We're doing this because, like, yo, we were. That's what we do. We out here trying to live. You know what's going on? Why would why would we be out here fighting when we could be out here chilling? You know, it's just much easier that way. One of the things that
0: I think was is, if I if and I, my understanding of that story is is correct, is that. Because you you referenced before, like the idea of a plan, like do you need one? Do you have to have one? Do you, or do you do what you think is the right thing to do in the moment and figure it out later? Is that how smart and prescient the 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 players in the dream were in how they approached this? Yeah. If they come out and start screaming her name and all these other things, and Kelly Leffler, this and all these other things, they elevate her. If they say his name they elevate him correct. and they talk about him and they may and they didn't and they,
2: like say anything mm-hmm. they presented it. I mean, things were said, but the ultimate message that and the reason I'm bringing this up BK is because people used to always argue, well, what's the point of what the, what the NBA is doing? Black lives matter on the court. Doesn't make any difference. Dog, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Perception matters. And I've used this example before, which is it doesn't necessarily matter to I don't know, the Republican aide that lives in Capitol South. It matters to the kid in Iowa who loves the NBA or the WNBA and sees his favorite athletes or her favorite athletes saying, Yo, we don't live like this anymore. So when Racisto uncle drops by, you know, and says something, wow, that breakfast, that kid is like, yeah, nah, <laughs> that's just not what's up. How do you know that, son? How do you know that, daughter? How do you know that, friend? Uh, I know it because Natasha cloud told me, I know it because Dwayne Wade told me, I know it because LeBron told me, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it is. And so the influence to me is well beyond just sort of the stated, uh, I don't know, debate team goals, so to speak. And most more so just like, yo, that cool person, they're about this. Let me look into that and figure it out for myself. And Now that I'm looking around at the rest of the country, I understand what all this means. That's the thing, bK, is that you you just have to put it out there. Whether or not you convince anybody is on them. We're all smart enough for this, and I understand I don't have kids. I'm not married. I'm about to be forty next year. So a lot of what I present comes from a place of adults talking to adults, but a large part of that is adults talking to adults because kids can see that,
0: yeah, and it may make you know? I, well, I will tell you as one has got, you know, to grown up enough children to under have a, an idea of what's going on in the world now. A daughter, Andy's got a you know a kid too. It matters. It absolutely one hundred percent. My eight year old, you know, then seven year old didn't understand the nuance of George Floyd, and we didn't necessarily try to explain all of it to him either. He's seven, and he doesn't understand necessarily the 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 origins and the 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 development of Black Lives Matter and all these other things. Again, he's seven, but he knows what that means,
2: and he knows it's wrong,
0: wrong. and he and he knows why it's a thing, and he knows that the he knows why it has to, and like that is significant, huge, and his friends at school know that, and like it, it really does, and for for you know a kid, particularly a a girl, to see another woman do that is monumentally important to see what this is. I was actually going to ask you this: Is there an analog? for Maya Moore. I mean, she literally walks away from her career to do, you know, to, to, to do what she did and, and, you know, get a man freed from
2: prison. Jonathan Irons. No. And I think the interesting thing about Maya Moore that people don't realize is that number one, how Maya came to this is one of the more remarkable elements of this story. Prison ministry is something that, I think a lot of people who don't understand how the actual sort of child to prison pipeline works for a lot of people, people don't realize how important prison ministry is. And I'm not some big God squad guy like this is not me sort of proselytizing on the side at all. But it is a very large part about mental health in the prison community, which is, you know, God and in general, being able to interact with humans who do have a life on the outside, and who are able to relate to people on the inside through faith, through worship, through fellowship, whatever it may be. That's how she met John and I. Like That's what Maya's family does because she grew up in the church on some level mm-hmm. and that's how they connected. And that's important because I spent some time with her a couple summers ago, number one, when she was at the Congressional Black Caucus speaking on this matter. And number two, when we spoke to the Marshall Project for an undefeated panel um, that was very interesting. And I thought was one of the more informative things that I've sort of ever done in my life as a journalist. And the reason why is because here's what she said. She said, listen, I've been Maya Moore my whole life. I've been famous. I've been popular. I've been excellent. I've had influence. I'd like to consider myself a pretty smart person, which she is. She said, but she didn't know anything about the process of how any of this stuff worked from like a chain of command level which is starting with like prosecutors are elected officials in most states. Like the people who determine how those who do state offenses are adjudicated and so forth. You can pick those people, you know, and like a lot of folks don't know that. And in a lot of places you can pick on down to the county sheriff. These are literally elected positions. You get on Tejas, bruh half the signs you're seeing are to elect the dudes who have guns, not to elect the people who are going to go to the state house or the people who are going to go to DC. And that's instructive to this point, which I think was ultimately the thing I took away the most from her, which is what she said was educate yourselves and figure out what makes sense to you. She didn't just get up there as I'm the famous Olympian and, and WNBA champion and MVP, my more get my friend out of prison. That wasn't what she did. She said, here's what I learned in this process. Here's what I figured out as we went along and I educated myself. And here's the conclusion I've come to regarding a person that I happen to know personally. And it worked, but I was incredibly impressed with the notion that she didn't go for lack of a better term, full Kim Kardashian. And I, I respect Kim Kardashian for what she's doing, trying to get people out of prison in certain situations, but she didn't do it that way. Maya. Maya. Because that wasn't her nature. And quite frankly, I don't know if that would have worked in terms of what her overall goal was. Getting John Irons out of prison was a personal family goal. Educating her fans and following on how this all works in America, I think, was her larger purpose, if that makes sense. And that she achieved, in my personal opinion. So, no, there's no real comparison because she did the work, man. You know, like whether or not she quit the WNBA or left any leagues or not, how she went about what she did when she did leave is as impressive to me as anything else. I learned a lot as somebody who knows a ton about this from how she went about her work. And I appreciate that from Maya so much. It was a great moment when my mom got to meet her. She was so impressed. And the fact that it actually worked out, never mind their personal relationship, is just I mean, that's the kind of things I'm going to be telling my grandkids about if I'm lucky enough to have any kids at all. And never mind those kids having kids. You know what I'm saying? That's real deal stuff in terms of uh, how we pass the torch in black America.
1: I I was just going to say, like, the amount of time I think it's going to take to really get a sense of perspective of just everything she did, what it all entails, and the significance of it could take a while, especially because there's still the idea of what comes next from it. And we and we haven't seen that yet because like the idea of what she proved possible. I mean, th- this is like this is like stuff that you would see in a movie, and you might get a note that it's unrealistic. Exactly. You know, like the studio that's, notes would say, this, Oh, this is too okay. small." To say. This, this, this would exactly never happen. What
2: I was going to say, and that's exactly the idea that came to me when Big John Thompson passed from the Hoyas. You know, and I, I'm I'm just gonna say this quickly like, if you had told me or told anybody. Oh, yeah. By the way, in the six, in the 50s and the 60s, there was some big, huge brother that ended up being one of the best high school basketball players in America. And then he ended up being best, one of the best college players in America. And then he went and backed up Bill Russell and won a couple of rings. And then he came back to some weird parochial school and decided he was going to like pull kids out of the ghetto. You know what I'm saying? I use ghetto very importantly in this word to make a powerhouse basketball program that changed the face of college basketball and the pros forever. Oh, and by the way, he did it in the 80s and 90s D.C. when crack was a major deal. You wouldn't believe it. Just like you wouldn't believe that if the best basketball player on earth, who's a woman, decided to walk away from the game to get a family friend out of prison for something he arguably didn't do or at the very least should not have been convicted for, and it worked, you'd be like, yeah, nah, that's not real. That's crazy. You know what I mean? And like that, to me, is forever impressive. It just is. Because you're right. You can't make it up. And it's not that it's stranger than fiction. It's just that it's a real life part of how black folks survive, you know, and that to me is an energy that I felt around her personally. Never mind how effective it was from a, um, you know, just a a, a courtroom standpoint. And that's why, no, because there's, there's no comparison. There just isn't one because it hasn't happened. It's not that it didn't mean to happen. It just has not.
0: I I, I think, I mean, it's, it's not a story that people don't know, but I wish it's a story that more people did know. And I I wish, you know, it's the type of story that should make somebody, you know, sportsman of the year It's Sports Illustrated. No, that's you know. that's another discussion
2: bets. I don't want to get into, but I will say this to both of you. I think a lot more people know that story than you think, you know, and I don't know how yeah. often you guys are in the the, 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 the the basketball gyms of the world, so to speak. But I, you know, and I speak, I don't speak ill but, of the late I mean, I know, right? Look at this guy. He looks like you look like absolute gym dad. But what I'm saying is that I guarantee you you Gigi Bryant knew that story. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And those are the minds that I think a lot of people sleep on. Like, not for nothing. Y'all don't know. I mean, big deal. You know what I mean? But if the people who are, like I said, I say this because I'm I'm turning 40 next year, but people who got their lives in front of them, you know what I mean? Unlike us washed up idiots who are out here yelling in the middle of the night on microphones. if If they get it, that's what matters. I don't need to know rather I don't need to get it in order to know that they get it and yeah. hopefully can apply it to their lives in that way. That doesn't end up with people getting yelled at for not washing the dish. Yeah. I, I
0: think the, the part of that story that, that I, where I really became awa- I think really aware of it was like almost in the in-between because there was the first year she walks away and like, I, I think, you know, because, Oh, she's a superstar. She, well, she'll be back next year. Yeah. And then and next there was year,
2: a lot of discussion about oh she's focusing on her faith. People weren't really sure what was going on. It was difficult to ascertain what the purpose was. Et and then
0: next year Roseman show, "Oh no, no, no. I'm not I'm not done yet. I'm doing this this is a thing that isn't just a, a one-off. Like this is
2: Bigger not done. than basketball. Yeah,
0: I'm not done." Yeah. And I was like that is incredible. Like that is not something people do. It's um, something it is-
2: the black women do all the time, sir that's kind of where we're at. That's, and that's what I mean by sort of believability is that doesn't always end up on the headlines. Doesn't always end up on the bottom line. Doesn't always end up on your podcast or on around the horn, but it happens, you know, and it happened for Maya in front of America. And I'm glad.
0: Is this another example of Stacey Abrams? We were talking about before. I think Mm -hmm. one of the most remarkable things about Stacey Abrams is she could have in the wake of the, the, the election with Brian camp in 2016, correct? Yep. Uh, you know, the 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 groundswell of support around Stacey Abrams made it so she could have done a lot of things. Um, so then I quite frankly I think most men somewhere in that thing would go, Yep, yep, I am gonna run for governor again. I am gonna run for Senate, I'm gonna do whatever. I'm gonna make it about me. Correct. She did not, she kept making it about everyone else, and thank God she did. Is this is another example of what you're talking about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And more so it's an example of. I also think people feeling empowered enough not to be scared, you know, to say, Hey, yeah, this is us. This is team play at its best, you know? And quite frankly, I, I'm, I'm going to go. Cause I'm a little, I'm getting a little frazzled just thinking about all this, but you're right. And the reason why I'm glad you brought that up k is because it can work and it doesn't mean that you've got to overthrow wink everything. It means that, And this is the last example I'll use that like when sound smart people want to do the right thing, it can work out. Minnesota school system, Minnesota university system is exactly the example I use. They said after I believe it was the Philando Castile situation and perhaps a couple other things that happened in Minnesota and Minneapolis specifically. It was like, yo, you know what? Minnesota school system. We just don't need the police involved in our operations anymore. Like nobody passed any legislation. Nobody had to diss anybody. Nobody had to riot. That happened, if you want to use that word to it, in terms of a police station getting burned down. But like, basically, they were just like, nah, we're not really banging with this anymore. And that, to me, is where that point of understanding versus the so-called plan mattering becomes extremely important. The Minnesota University system did the same thing. They said, we don't need state police troopers at our games. Like, We're playing football. Why would we need that? And that, to me, is where a lot of this is going to change the most guys is where reasonable folks just say, we would really rather not introduce these elements of violence into our regular lifestyles under the guise of danger probably happening, because that's not really what anybody's doing anyway. You know, we're just trying to get along. We're trying to do what we want to do. And the threat of danger, introducing the threat of violence is not worth the effort that the presumption and execution of, frankly, love and community creates. And I will credit Minnesota for that. And that is in no small part due to one Maya Moore who played in Minnesota. And that's what it is, yo. We ain't got to fight to get along because we were not allegedly getting along before. It just means, yo, come on now. We know how to do this. we chilling. How about y'all chill with us? That's the idea. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like how y'all are chilling with me.
0: Um, dude, it is a an incredibly intense day, uh, yeah. especially. I know thinking about you, thinking about home. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I know yeah. it's short notice. Right out, guys. No, I Joe.
2: appreciate it, and I mean, I owed you one, obviously. But this was an important thing for me to talk about, and I appreciate you guys. You know, letting me let me get loose on it a, little, a little bit because, again, I know that there's a very I don't want to say easy, but a reflex reaction of, well, what can I do? I don't get it. What should be me? Sometimes it's like, yo, just just hear me, fam. Step to the side. You know what I'm saying? Step to the side or maybe even step behind. You know, yeah. that happens sometimes. And in those situations, that's where, again, please believe black folks. We ain't out here trying to sacrifice nobody. We're trying to stay yeah. alive and mind our business. Okay. Yeah, I, I, closing
1: on this, uh, when, when I heard Wes Matthews talking yesterday about the Jacob Blake shooting, and, you know, obviously he's from Wisconsin. He grew up in, he grew up in that area. He played for the Bucks last year, you know, when things were happening in the bubble. I took a little bit of solace from hearing him say that he believes that Mark Lazary and the Bucks the the owner of the uh, owner of the Bucks will continue to do his due diligence about the situation continue to try to apply pressure try to make certain things happen and the reason I took solace from that isn't because I think that's automatically going to create change because we saw by definition of this summer and what the Bucks did that's not necessarily going to be the case But it's another example of a what we're talking about through this whole thing, believing what other people are saying, but also too having players feel that sense of security within their work in that particular state. Like it's important to feel supported. And like I have no idea what Mark Lazarus politics are. I have no idea what his worldview is. I I wouldn't know him if he walked past me. Right. If he walked
2: in wearing a jersey with his name on it, you wouldn't know who he was. Not he unless he
1: turned around. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea. But but something like that matters. And and hearing the sincerity in Wes Matthews' voice that he believes in Mark Lassery doing this, because he didn't have to say this. I mean, this was unprompted, yeah. you know, that, that belief he has in him. Things like that I do think matter. They and, do. And I, I, I noticed that.
2: More succinctly, to really, really end this, because I got to go, I got to go talk to my dad. The reason why it makes sense to believe us it's Cause that's why y'all like us anyway. Turns out, you know, and that's kind of the whole thing. It's like, hey, we're cool. Y'all are trying to Why don't you go ahead and just listen to us? It
1: works. Stealing off your you. culture, we might as well believe you. <laughs>
2: anyway, all right, guys. All right, I love you. Thanks, you. man. You know, glad the tune, the are going well. And uh, you know, that little logo, by the way, it's kind of cool. The nice, I like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thank cool. you. Uh, thank all you. Right, boys. We'll, we'll talk soon. In. Ten. Thanks, thanks, Clinton. Later, guys.
0: All right. So that that was uh, Clinton Yates. I, I I, technically speaking, Andy, we've got eight more minutes. I don't have a whole lot to add uh, to that, other than to say thank you. (laughs) Thank you again to Clinton Clinton. (laughs) for for joining us.
1: You know, I mean, it's there's there's a lot to unpack with that. Mm -hmm. Um, that that idea of you know, believing what black people, believing what people of color, you know, people, minorities, different experiences than the ones you've had. And you know, a different worldview, different walk through life. You know, trying to trying to just listen. Like listening has become, I think, a commodity that we don't put enough value on. And listening, I think sometimes Gets taken to mean like you have to agree with everything that is being said to you. Mm-hmm. And you don't. Like it's great. It's great if you can always find different ways to agree on, on matters like these that are really important. But what really matters, I think, more than anything is actually just listening. And then also asking, what can I do to help with this that doesn't involve just teach me everything? You know, and, you know, like we saw a lot with, you know, over the summer with a lot of the the unrest that was happening, you know, there were a lot of, I think, very well intentioned, well meaning, sincere white people who were admirably at a lot of these protests and admirably looking to be in the middle of this, but all they weren't always very good at the idea of get behind this person of color. You know, this black woman, this black man, Latino man that has more direct skin in the game, has more experience in what's going on and is telling you, this is what I need from you. Like, Mm -hmm. and just accept that that's actually what it is and that, you know, the the best way to offset whatever white privilege that you have, that either you have or you are perceived that you have. Isn't to necessarily just take charge of everything, or you know, try, try to, you know, be be in the middle of all of it. Like your leadership uh, often isn't that always. that is the effen- essence of it, right? Your leadership that is the on the of privilege, right? Your leader, your leadership is going to be needed in certain areas, but it's not going to meet it in all of them. And to find out the best way to exercise it, go to the people that you are actually trying to you know, be, be, I hate the word sometimes cause I think it gets overused, but be an ally towards and, you know, have the humility to understand that this person that you were looking to be that ally for knows exactly what they need from you and accept that. Yep. I think that gets a lost a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it is an exhaust, it was, it's been an exhausting day. Um, we appreciate everybody uh, coming to the show tonight. Um, appreciate your your willingness to stick with us. You know, obviously switch gears a little bit. Uh, thanks again to Bill Hanstock who we're going to have on next week. Yes. And we'll have the appropriately fun conversation that you're supposed to be able to have about wrestling.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and look, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, we, the, in terms of things that happened today and, you know, with the Trump administration, you know, there is a presence of the McMahons, of the WWE, yeah. in that world. For um, sure. I, and I don't know enough about this in terms of WWE, you know, like the Venn diagram between that and the MAGA world, but I know that that's a big thing in MMA. Everybody, and everybody, everybody loves WWE, Andy. Well, just I'm One of the a, things I, we can all agree on. Well, I say I say that just because I, I'm interested in asking Bill about that next week. And interesting, I'm interested to find out like what does a day like today do in terms of those relationships? Sure. Because Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon are close with Donald Trump, I believe. Linda McMahon had a position, Small uh, Business Administration. Right. Uh, cabinet, I think that
0: was one of the original. I, I don't know. Right. It, and it, 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 there's been some churn there, Andy, over the, over the course of
1: time. And you know, I mean, it's it feels almost like a uh, like a uh, redundancy um, to say that something weird and involved with with that particular White House. Mm-hmm. But like you know, the idea of our president being, I believe, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, like yeah. Strange goings on, but it—I am very curious to see what, if any, uh, space they look to put between the administration and uh, WWE. I mean, right, or you know, we'll see. We I mean, you know in, in time the administration will be a different
0: administration. You know, it, there's so much that just does. But there's, but there's going to be know. distance that
1: people yeah. look to create in the aftermath. I, right,
0: sure. I, I just, but you know, the you know, he, all of this stuff is um the 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 amount of transition that's going to be going on is not just limited to what we'll be seeing over the next 13 days and 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 but yeah it's a a good question and we'll talk about that with bill next week tomorrow night uh back to the nba om young masuk from espn uh been we have love om uh had him on a, a little while ago really happy to have him back and we'll get you ready for the nfl playoff weekend on friday with ted Wynn from the athletic Uh, A super informative guest there. Got some good people getting ready for next week as well. Uh, So we'll be back tomorrow night. Thanks again uh, to everyone for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow. Danke,
1: Niederlande.